today we're going to continue in a series that we started over a couple of weeks ago called The Good Shepherd. And what we've been studying is a series that's all about knowing who God is, friends, but not just for who, but, but we want to know God for who he is, not what he can do for us. Just to be honest, I mean, if we're, we're real honest, you know, oftentimes when it comes to God, we usually approach him with what we need or what we want or what we can get. But, you know, God isn't into that type of relationship. God wants an intimate relationship with us. He wants us to know him, and he wants us to know that we are known by him, right? So what we've been doing is looking to the scriptures. And one of the most powerful ways that God introduces himself to us is by depicting himself as a shepherd. In fact, John 10, Jesus said that he is the good shepherd and that his sheep know his voice. And so God wants us to understand that he is our good shepherd. And like David, uh, we're going to be studying the life of a man named David, specifically from Psalm 23. And what I love about David is that David was like you and me. See, David had flaws. Anybody in that boat? Come on, some of you need to stop looking at me with those holy, righteous eyes of yours, right? We have flaws, right? We have shortcomings, right? We make mistakes. David made some real big ones. And yet God testified that he was a man after his heart. That he was a man who was really in pursuit of God. And so it really didn't have much to do with his behavior. It had more so to do with the inclination of his heart. And so today, as we dig into the scripture before our study, I want you to understand, and for those of you that have been here any length of time, you've heard me say this, but I'm not here to give you an opinion. But I do want to encourage you that as we look to the scriptures today, that you would open your heart and you would be genuine and ask God a couple of questions. God, what are you teaching me today? God, is there something that you want to teach me? What are you, what are you teaching me through the scriptures today? You want to ask God, we want to ask God another question, which is maybe it's God... Are you correcting me in an area? Am I going wrong somewhere here? Are you pointing something out where I've been in error? You want to you be open to God and we want to ask this question, God, are you showing me a different way, the right way, a way that I didn't consider? And lastly, we want to be open to God and say, God, are you calling me to do something with this? Is there an application point here? Is there an action that I have to take in light of the scriptures and the truth that you're giving me today? How many of you believe that God can speak to you today? Come on, we can have open hearts. So we're going to turn to the scriptures and we're going to look at a foundational portion of scripture we've been looking at over the last several weeks that comes out of Psalm 23. And it says, the Lord is my shepherd. Say this with me. I shall not want. See, when you have a shepherd, you don't have need because you have the shepherd. Right. So the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff. They comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Somebody say this with me. Surely, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What a beautiful reflection from the heart of a man who God said was a man after his heart. A man who had flaws, who made mistakes 
who many times did his own thing, knowing that it was the wrong thing, and yet he always turned back to the Lord. He had a heart after God, and I want us to notice that David's relationship with the Lord was defined by a conviction that circumvented his circumstances and went beyond his circumstances. See, this is a powerful portion of Scripture because it demonstrates to us that David believed that the Lord was his shepherd and that he was blessed no matter what. But watch this. The context was in a dark valley. His reflection is in a setting that is referred to as the valley of the shadow of death. And, and this is important for us to consider because what we're seeing is that David understood that he had a shepherd. But he also, more importantly, understood that God wanted him in similar fashion to sheep to follow him. See, we have a good shepherd, but he wants us to relate to him like sheep. And what God is wanting of us is to know him and to trust him and to depend on him and to look to him and most importantly, to follow him. He wants us to relate to him as sheep. And so today we're going to dive into Psalm 23 verse 4. And as I was stating, it, it shows us that the setting for the book for, for Psalm 23 is in a valley. It's in a dark place. And David had a powerful revelation that's relevant to our present day lives. How many of you would agree we live in dark times? The world has gone wacky. I'm, I'm telling you, it's like a granola bar. It's fruity, it's nutty, and it's flaky. The world is, is it, we're in a different kind of time. We're in different times. And yet, David's uh, reflection in Psalm 23 verse 4 reminds us that relationship with God does not exempt us from dark times. Now, I know for some of you, you're saying, well, that's not too encouraging. Stick around. Lean into the word with me. You'll see what I'm talking about. See, in spite of the darkness, David knew that because the shepherd was there, the dark times were just passing times. It's why Jesus told us, don't be afraid. In this world, you're going to have trouble, but rejoice. I've overcome. See, even in the dark, God is there. It reminds me of a story I heard a while back of a burglar who uh, broke into a home one night, and he shone his flashlight around, and he was looking for valuables when a voice in the dark said, Jesus knows you're here. And he nearly jumped out of his skin. He clicked his flashlight off, and he froze. And when he heard nothing more after a bit, he shook his head and he continued on with his thievery. And just as he pulled the TV off the wall to disconnect the wires, clear as a bell, he heard, Jesus is watching you. He freaked out. He shined his light all around frantically, looking for the source of the voice. And finally, in the corner of the room, his flashlight beam came to rest on a parrot. And he hissed at the parrot, did you say that? Yup, the parrot confessed, and then he squawked. I'm just trying to warn you that he's watching you. The burglar relaxed. Warn me, huh? Who in the world are you? Moses, replied the bird. And Mo Moses, the burglar laughed. What kind of people name a bird Moses? The parrot replied, 
the kind of people that name a Rottweiler Jesus. <laughs> now, I know we're just poking. We're having some fun with this. But the point that I really want us to think about is that even in the dark, Jesus is there. He's with you in your highs. He's with you in the lows. He's with you in your in-betweens. He's with you when you're faithful. He's with you when you're not. And most importantly, he shines upon you. His light shines upon you. But sometimes we lose sight of that. So the question is, why do we cower in the face of dark times? Why, why do we allow times uh, that are dark to overwhelm us with worry and fear? Why does the thought of dark times seem so dark to us, so gloomy? Why do we forget that the Lord is with us even in the dark? And for that, friends, we have to look to the Scripture. In John chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, it tells us that in him, Jesus, is the life. And that life is the light of men. That life is the light of men. Verse 5 says, the light, shines, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Let's leave that scripture up for a moment and just consider this. That even in your darkest times, it does not have the ability to dim or diminish God's power. God is present. The question is, are we present in our relationship and our awareness of God? It's an important question to consider. And so, uh, oftentimes we forget that the dark, according to this scripture, the dark is really an illusion, friends. It's really an illusion. Because while it may feel dark, while it may seem dark, while, it, while our opportunities or our ability to make it appear dim, God is always shining upon you. We're going to learn more about that in a second. But if you believe that and you've been through some dark times and you can testify to the fact that God has shown his light upon you, he's brought you through, would you give God a praise in this moment? Come on, God is good. Today I want to talk to you from the heart of God on the topic, the light always shines in the dark. Go ahead and tell three people, the light always shines in the dark. Always, always. If you're online, go ahead and type that. Go ahead and tag somebody as you type that. The light always shines in the dark. And so we learn a couple of things from Psalm 23, verse 4. And the first thing that we learn is that we can't let the dark scare us. Friends, don't let the dark scare you. Tell somebody, don't let the dark scare you. Tell somebody you didn't come with, don't let the dark scare you. Hey, if you're online, don't let the dark scare you. Yeah, you can't let the dark scare you. David's relationship with God teaches us that dark times do not indicate an absence of God. In fact, they should remind us that God is still present and shining upon us. What I love about verse 4 in Psalm 23 is that David equates life to walking through a valley of the shadow of death. But the reason why David calls it a shadow is because he understood that shadows are only possible in the presence of light. Always in the presence of light. Here's, here's something else that I, I would dare say David understood that we, we understand too. That shadows are only the appearance. They're an enlargement of something that's actually very small. It's a lot smaller. 
And so what do we see here with this? What we're seeing is that David had confidence in dark times because he knew that the Lord was with him. Now's a good point to pause for a moment, friend. To pause and look within. Please don't be that person that nudges the person next to you and you say, I told you you had to be here today. No, no, no. This is for you. This is for you. Never mind the person next to you, right? Especially if they're a stranger. Don't do that. We, we, don't, we don't do that here, right? But now's a good time to look within and think about the moments when you face dark times. How do you respond? How do you respond? Do you actually turn to the Lord? And I'm not talking about turn to the Lord with a laundry list. Are you confident in God despite darkness? Do you trust that darkness is just a passing? It's a shadow. You know what's interesting about shadows? They're not even real. And for some of us, here's what we're doing. We're shadow boxing. We're fighting with shadows. And what we're dismissing in the process as we fight with shadows and we, we fret about shadows, we're dismissing the fact that God is present. And that he's shining light upon us to lead us and guide us. And so the reason why we oftentimes grow afraid in dark times is because we are not seeing the truth. We're not, we're not perceiving God in the darkness. I'm not saying that God is leading you into darkness. But what I am saying to you is that in the dark, God is still present. And he's shining there and trying to show you something. And so we grow, we grow afraid because dark times throw off our sense of direction. And here's what they do for us. They challenge our desire to control. Any control freaks in the house? Come on, don't, don't, don't lie, especially in the house of God. Come on and give it up for control freaks that love Jesus. <laughs> we love control freaks. Jesus loves them too. But we get, don't mind me, I'm just, I'm not in control here. Friends, when we get in the, when it feels dark, it's because we don't have control. We want control. We want it to work the way we want it to work. We want what we want. We want it how we see it. We want it the way we planned our whole life out. I met a person recently. This guy, since he was a teenager, planned out his wedding, saved for it, the ring. He's got this whole master plan for everything. The problem is it excludes God. And it's all falling apart. It's a sad story. Control is a con, friends. But you see, God doesn't want us to live within our control. That's where it gets scary. That's real scary. In fact, God desires that we conform to his will through trust so that we can relinquish control to his mighty hand. And that's where the lights go on. That's where we begin to see God's leading, friends. When we go, I can't control this. I'm here fretting and anxious and working myself up, but do you really have control? Like, do, is it really within your power to change how somebody feels? Or to change how a system works? Like, that's not in your control. And so God wants us to relinquish control so that we can step out of the darkness. And when the lights are on, 
something happens. Let me show you what happens in the dark and how God works in the midst of our, our, where we're all scared and, and, and fretting. Isaiah 42, 16 says this. I will lead the blind by ways they have not known. This is what begins to happen when you let go. When you stop trying to control what belongs to God. What only God can do. He says, I will lead the blind by ways they have not known. Along unfamiliar paths, I will guide them. So let's stop right there for a moment and think about what the scripture is telling us here. It tells us that God leads us in the unfamiliar. You know what that means, friend? If you think that the plans that you have set and the way you, 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 you carve the path out for yourself and everything that you see and how you want to do it and how you think it's going to go, if you think that's God's plan... It is not, because that's familiar to you. God leads us in unfamiliar paths. That's where his guidance is. He says that he will turn the darkness into light before them, and he will make the rough places smooth. Listen to what God is saying. When you trust me, I'm going to take you somewhere you haven't been. For some of us, reading the Bible is all brand new. It's uncomfortable. Doing what the Bible says is uncomfortable. And my friend, for you that you just started on this journey with Jesus, don't let that scare you because the rest of us, it's hard for us too. Come on, let's be honest now. Right? If we could do this, this, this whole thing of following what the Bible says on our own, we would need Jesus. But we need Christ. We need his grace. We need his direction. We need his spirit. And above all, we need his word. And so we're going to be tested. Now, hear me clearly. I am not saying that God is leading you to the dark. But what I am saying to you is that oftentimes we find ourselves in the dark and we get afraid and we fret and we grow anxious and we try to control because we're not perceiving how God works in the dark. God wants to do a new thing in you. He wants to lead you to better places. And so God is not going to lead you to where you think and where you plan. He wants to lead you into new territory because it's in the unfamiliar that we learn to depend on him, friends. It's in the unfamiliar that we grow. It's in the unfamiliar that we're prepared. Amen? Come on and give God some praise if you believe that. So don't get scared about the dark. It's an opportunity for light. He's present. The second point that I want to share with you is that the valley is a part of your journey to the mountaintop. Remember the setting. It's in a valley. You know what's on the side, on each side of a valley? Mountains. See, you were created for the mountaintops. The scripture says that he took us out of the mud. Oh, I'll put it to you, the King James Version. The miry clay. He took us out of the mud, the scripture says, and he placed us on a solid rock. In the original Hebrew, here's what it says. He placed us on a high rock, a cliff. Way above the valleys. But you see, the path to the mountaintop is trudging through the mud sometimes. Again, not saying God placed you in the mud, 
But I am saying that God wants to bring you through it. What David experienced many, while David experienced many dark times throughout his life, he always broke through. And Psalm 23, 4 tells us how to break through. See, the only way to get through what you're going through is to walk through. Walk through the valley with God. Walk through it with the Lord. Oftentimes, here's what we do. We say, God, get me out of this mess. And you know what, that, you know what that's like? That's like pulling you out of a difficult situation, right? You just want to get pulled out. But there's no character developed when you just pulled out. There's no growth without challenge. There's no strength without having to push against something, right? In other words, we have to walk through this. See, God wants to walk you through the valleys. And he is walking with you through those valleys. And so you guys know Miss Hasina, right? If we could put that picture up real quick, this Miss Hasina. Come on, give it up for Miss Hasina, who's away with her husband. Hasina is our worship leader. She is an amazing, amazing woman of God. I don't have time to get into all of her story, but I will share a portion of her story because she knows something like many of us about walking through the valleys, not staying in the valleys. Uh, she, we had a conversation recently, and she was sharing with me how back in 2014 she was working in the school district here in, the, in, in Newburgh. And she was working with at-risk youth, and while she loved it, it was great. It wasn't her passion. She felt called to entrepreneurship. She, she always had a desire since a young girl to be a pastry chef. Like, she just loved to bake. Um, but she was working in the school district, and all of a sudden there were rumblings in 2014 that there were going to be layoffs. And because her position was grant-funded, that was one of the positions that they were calling, they were, they were projecting that would be uh, laid off, someone who would be laid off. So uh, while she loved working with the kids, she knew it wasn't her passion. She felt called to entrepreneurship, and then she gets laid off. And then reality sets, oh, snap, I need a job. How's this going to work? She began to ask the Lord for direction, and here's what's interesting. As she looked to the scriptures and she continued to meditate on the truth in the scriptures, she had a strong uh, impression upon her heart and a sense that God was leading her to go back to school, to go to culinary school, to go to the Culinary Institute of America, as a matter of fact. Now, if you know anything about CIA, right, not that CIA, that that. We won't touch that one. I'm talking about the school, Culinary Institute of America. That's a lot funnier in my head, but anyway, we'll move on. Right? If you know anything about the Culinary Institute of America, that's not cheap. That's like creme de la creme. That's top notch when it comes to culinary arts. But she went to see the Culinary Institute of America, and while she was there, she, she said, you know what, I'm going to apply. And she states that it was one of the happiest days in her life. But in the midst of what being such happiness, there was a dark reality that she was facing. There was something she had to walk through. She didn't have the funds to go to the Culinary Institute of America. It was extremely expensive. She didn't have the tuition. But she decided, I'm just going to walk through this process, and I'm going to trust God, and I'm going to explore this. And as she began to walk through, here's what happened. There were grants that nobody else was getting, but they were available to her. There were scholarships that nobody else was getting, but they were for her. 
And all of a sudden, what was this mountain of debt and, and this overwhelming sense of fear, and, and she just felt like, I'm stuck, I can't do this. All of a sudden, as she walked through, she saw how God was bringing her through. Right? And so, one of her fears had been, we have a two-income household. Like, we need two incomes. How's this going to work? Well, let me tell you what happened. They did not miss a beat. In fact, they thrived on one income as opposed to two incomes, right? But then came the reality. She graduates. Now she's got to start a business. And she's, she, she, she was once again in this place of fear because she didn't have the funds to start a business. And she certainly didn't have the experience. But here's what she did have. She had confidence in God. She had confidence in God. Today, they run a successful business. Listen, not, 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 put, not inserting a plug for perfect sweets, but they, they kind of almost live up to their name. They're really, they're really that good. And Miss Hasina, I know you're watching, so come on, give it up for Miss Hasina. And Miss Hasina, we all want you to know here at Church at the Bridge that you don't, all you have to sell is keto pastries. You're good. We, we love it. We'll support you. I'm sorry, that was just a, an opportunity for my flesh. That was a plug for me. But anyways, right? See, God doesn't pull you out. God wants to pull you through. And so, friends, here's the point. If you're in a valley, if it feels dark, can I encourage you, keep walking. You got to tell somebody, keep walking. Tell somebody else, he's pulling you through. As you keep walking through. Yeah, absolutely. we got to keep walking through this valley, right? Because there's two things that will happen in a valley. There's only two options in a valley, two choices, two options that we're in, we end up. You can either become a victim in the valley and stay stuck there, or you can become victorious in the valley because you continue to walk through. I don't know about you, but I'd rather be victorious and overcome valleys and get to mountaintops. Amen? The last point I want to leave you with here is that just because you can't see what God is doing doesn't mean that he isn't working. Let me say that again. Just because you can't see what God is doing doesn't mean that he isn't working. Hey, here's what I know. We've all been in that place where we've asked this question. God, where are you? Lord, this doesn't make sense. I don't understand why I'm here. God, what are you doing? Some of us have even gone to the extent, and I've been there where we've said, God, why are you doing this to me? See, we're in the dark. We're missing something. But Matthew 4.16 records the words of our Lord Jesus, where he asserts this to us. He says, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. Listen to this. Those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. Friend, you may go through some valleys. You may even be in a dark space. You may be questioning, God, what are you doing? God, where are you? God, I don't understand. And God says, I'm shining on you right there. Let me show you this from Scripture. 
You know, light is indicative of revelation from the Lord. And what this verse shows us is that when we are in the dark, God is shining, meaning he is speaking. He is guiding. He is working. And what gets in the way of our ability to see is oftentimes what we misunderstand. See, sometimes we misunderstand how God works. We think that God is only at work if we're seeing the results we want. We think that God is at work if we're getting the desires that we crave, the things that we plan and hope for. So when life seems dim, we readily conclude that God isn't working on our behalf. But friends, let me tell you something about God that I know from my own life. And I know that many of you can attest to this too. God is a specialist in dark places. There's nobody better at covert operations than God. He operates in the dark, and man, he always comes through. Come on, give God some praise for that. David says that while he was in the valley of the shadow of death, David says this, the scripture records this, this is not my opinion. He testifies that the Lord was comforting him with his rod and his staff. Notice what God is employing in dark times. A rod and staff. Now, for some of you, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking about that rod that your mom used, right? I, I empathize with you. I've been there, right? But that's not what this is talking about. The rod was a club-like instrument that shepherds used to correct the course of sheep that were prone to go wayward. It had prickly shards all along the head that protruded, which the shepherd used to tap the sheep on the side. And the goal of its use was not to harm the sheep, friends. It was to help them course correct. It was to establish a boundary for safety and redirection back to the right path. So picture it this way. You're a sheep, right? Everybody say, bah. Yeah, you got, man, you guys are real good at sheep, right? right? Hopefully you're following it the same way sheep does, right? But sheep had tended to go wayward. And so what the shepherd would do is he would put the, put the club there and he would tap. And here's what would happen is they would prick against those shards that were protruding. They would understand that's not the way to go. I need to come back this way. So it was never to harm them. It was to redirect them, right? The club, the, the rod was also used to fend off predators, to protect the flock. The staff, on the other hand, was a sturdy stick with a curved hook at the top end that was used by the shepherd to pull the sheep back into the fold or to pull them out of harm. See, when a sheep thought that it was with, uh, outside of the reach of the shepherd, the staff ensured that the shepherd could always reach them. Somebody needs to hear this. You are not outside of God's reach. No matter where you've been, no matter what you struggle, no matter the harmful things that you do to yourself and others, you're not outside of God's reach. And like the good shepherd, he's reaching out today because he loves you. See, we think comfort in the dark is getting what we want, friends. But no, this comfort, according to this verse, teaches us that comfort comes in the form of correction. 
in the form of boundaries and redirection. And this is indicative of how God works through his word and by his spirit. I want to leave you with two portions of scripture as we close today. Psalm 119 verse 105 says this, your word, your word is a what? It's a lamp. It's a lamp. It's a light. It's a light unto our feet, the scripture says, and a light to my path. You know what's interesting about a light? A light never gives you the full view in the grand scheme of things. But a light, when it is shown, it gives you just enough to be able to see where you are and what your next step is. And what God says, my word is a lamp. You may not understand, you may not see the full picture, but if you will walk according to my word, it will give you just enough understanding where you are, and it will give you just enough vision for where you're headed. See, friend, if you and I knew the whole picture, we would mess it up because we try to control it. So God says, my word is a lamp to your feet. And when you allow it to be a lamp to your feet, it gives you a light for the path. Friends, continue to walk with the word of God. And as you do, it will instruct you and it will guide you. Do you know that the word of God is the language of the Holy Spirit? Some of us aren't hearing from God because we're not exposing ourselves to his word. Jesus said that his spirit, the helper, that he will come and he will lead us into all truth. And he will show us things to come. See, the Holy Spirit leads us according to the word of God. Friends, you can't go wrong following the instruction of God's word. And there's a couple of things that the scripture does. 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17 says that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. It is from the heart of God and it is profitable for doctrine. That simply means to teach us. It's profitable for reproof. That means it shows us an area where we may actually be in error. It brings light there. It's profitable for correction. It actually shows us the right way to go. And it is profitable for instruction. That's training in righteousness. See, God wants to correct us. God wants to teach us. God wants to show us where we're going wrong. God wants us to see the right way and it's for a reason verse 17 says that the man or the woman of God may be complete say complete complete, complete. maturity it's so that we are thoroughly equipped for every good work friends you want to discover your purpose you want to walk in the direction of what God has created you for you want to discover the good things that God has laid up for you you cannot do it without his light we cannot do it without the instruction of his word. We cannot do it without his spirit. You see, friends, while you're in the dark, the light is shining. And sometimes the reason why we're not hearing God in the dark is because we haven't given, we haven't deposited enough of his word into our hearts to be able to hear what the spirit is saying. Today, as we stand and we close, friends, we're going to take a moment to talk to God. And I want to leave you where we first started today. I want you to take a moment to get with God and talk to God. 
Think about what we've been looking at in the scripture today and ask God, God, what are you teaching me today? What are you teaching me? Is there something you're teaching me today? Something that I haven't known, something that I've never considered, something that, that I've never allowed into my understanding. Maybe it's God, what, what are you, where are you correcting me? Where am I going wrong? Is, is there an area where the Lord is shining light and he's saying, you, you're doing this wrong. This, this is not right. Maybe it's God, what are, you, what, what are you showing me to do that's right? How do I do this correctly? Right? Or maybe it's this. God, what are you telling me to do? What am I supposed to apply that's training? See, friends, now's the moment to open our hearts and let God speak to us. I dare say this. He's already been speaking to you. Are you listening? Are you allowing the light to invade the darkness that some of us may be holding on to. See, God wants to lead you to a place of completeness. He wants you to discover all the good that he has for you. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us here at Church of the Bridge today. I pray that you had a personal encounter with God, that he spoke to you powerfully, and that he met you at your place of need with this message. I also want to encourage you to go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube page. By doing so, you'll be able to check out past messages, uh, past events that we've done. You'll also be able to see what's happening now and those things that are to come. And lastly, I'd like to invite you to join with us in all that God is doing with your giving. Feel free to do so on our website. Again, thank you again for joining us, and I can't wait to connect with you next week.